BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode is powered by DenMeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We have Dr. Bruce Goldberg on today. And what a treat. He is a wealth of information. It's unbelievable. He has been doing hypnosis techniques and past life regressions and future life regressions for 50 years now. So what he knows is incredible. And if you want futuristic, we go there. We talk the aliens. We talk about how humans are here. We talk about teleportation and time travel. We really get into time travel and teleportation a lot. He really goes into how they're all in the future. It is there. There's teams that actually come in time travel to the past to actually help us out. It's really fascinating. It's fun. Be open. Have your mind be blown. The information is solid. He has so many resources. At the end, he gives us a really cool practice, how to talk to your higher self, which is where all the healing and the magic happens. Um, so it's a beautiful personal practice. I mean, he talks about how in his patients, when they've dealt with this space and they've actually met their higher selves, they've had some unbelievably healings for themselves, whether it be from cancer or incurable diseases, or, you know, allow them to just shift their life in major, major ways. So, you know, strap in, there's a ton of stuff coming your way. It's really fun. I also wanted to let you know, we have some really great fall trainings happening at denmeditation.com and you can use the code DENTOX, capital D-E-N, TALKS, to get $50 off. We have Journey Around the Medicine Wheel, which is mine coming up, so please join me for that. You have, if you want to learn Tarot, Tarot 101, if you want to learn Akashic Records, we talk a lot about the Akashic Records here on this podcast. If you want to learn how to access them, that is a three-day training. Also, breath work, so many different things. Go to the website, denmeditation.com, check out certifications and programs. And again, you get $50 off with Dentox code. Well, let's just get started. Dr. Bruce Goldberg, I'm so happy to have you on here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you had a chance to read the books that you ordered. Yeah, no, you have. I mean, amazing books with so much information. I mean, literally you cover the gamut. It's incredible. And, but I want to back up a little bit because there's so much to talk about. Like we definitely have to talk about time traveling because I was just talking about this on another podcast and I'm obsessed with it. So I definitely want to get into that and Ascension, but how it's just, your story is so unique and interesting because I mean, 
your first career was of a dentist, right? Right. So you might say now I drill into past and future lives, you might say. I days. like it. Yes, my my uh, my background and my history is just for the benefit of the audience, if they're not familiar with my work, I do uh, regular interviews on Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie and Gaia TV. So uh, some of your viewers may be uh, uh, interested or experienced with my work, familiar. Uh, basically, <clears throat> yes, I was originally trained as a dentist, but when I was in dental school, I uh, mastered the concept of hypnosis, which is the main modality that I use. And I was actually doing this field before I graduated from dental school. So I've been doing this field for 50 years now. And uh, so basically, uh, I originally, my purpose was to use hypnosis for medical reasons, for apprehension and pain control, which is the main indication for dentistry. But then I had read the uh, Search for Bridie Murphy book, which was about a documented case of reincarnation back in the 1950s in uh, Colorado. And um, Maury Bernstein was the author. Later, I met him. We became friends years later. And I said, you know, I said, this is kind of fun. I mean, this is, um, I was getting into new age astrology and things like that. So I figured, let me just try it out. So I uh, decided to experiment with a dear friend of mine. And she <laughs> was a uh, grad student in social work. <clears throat> and she went into about nine different past lives while I was uh, trying the technique of hypnosis. For wow. But the interesting thing wasn't even that was that I didn't know her very well. I had only known her for a few months before we did this. She overcame two habits of phobia that I didn't even know that she had because she didn't share that with me at first. And I wasn't trying to work with it. I was just doing the technique. I was just trying to use the technique of regression with hypnosis. And then part of that, I did something called the superconscious mind tap, which we'll discuss the main therapy approach. So I said to myself, wait a minute, I'm a clinician. This is therapeutic. It's not just interesting. It's not just something you see at a new age conference. This is something that actually works people to heal. And then, of course, 50 years later, I'm doing the techniques and still doing it. So that was the origin. I was, uh, by the way, my dental practice was only part time for I practiced for 13 years. 11 of those years were part time. This has been my full time practice. I'm, so what happened in that session that you did with this woman that you got nine lives? I know because in your mind, like you said, you're just practicing a technique. So what happened that allowed her to experience so much healing? Well, think of it this way. It's called past life regression. Regression or hypnosis is, let's define that first. Hypnosis is a natural daydream state. So if you are, for example, I use this because I work with a lot of students and they, you know, academic problems, everything from grammar school to doctoral exams and stuff. So let's say you're taking an exam and everybody out there, I'm sure, has taken exams. And mm -hmm. there's a question and you have to go into your memory bank to figure out what the answer to their question is, right? So you studied your material, assuming you've actually done your homework. So now you're, you're kind of concentrating and you're saying, okay, what's the answer to number five? And then you're going into your mind and all of a sudden the answer pops into your mind. That really is an age regression because you're going back in time and pulling out something that you read maybe the night before, maybe a week before, and that's called an age regression. So past life regression is simply taking a person by using a question and answer approach uh, into a life that they had prior to this physical incarnation. Uh, this is all very natural, by the way, even though most people don't remember past lives uh, naturally, although some do. But if you study the research of the late Professor Ian Stevenson, who studied kids between the ages of two and five, they spontaneously have past life regression. So, uh, for example, if there's a parent out there, like a mother especially, they're usually into this, you take your two-year-old child or three-year-old or four-year-old, sit him aside, 
Don't make believe like you're playing a game with them. Just simply say to them, tell me what was it like when you were big? And you'd be surprised at the answers. They will give you answers that have a vocabulary beyond their means, and they will give you information, some of which actually can be documented. The late Professor Ian Stevenson documented hundreds of these cases of kids. So now here's the thing about dreaming. Dreams are very critical here because I don't believe in dream interpretation. So please, you're dealing with the wrong person there. There's about 50 different dream interpretherapies and or interpretation theories. If there's 50 ways of doing something, nobody knows what they're doing, all right? Well, what happens <laughs> is that when you dream though, clinically, you are in an alpha brainwave, the REM cycle, we call that. This is dream laboratory research of 50 years, by the way. So there's really no argument. Actually, 70 years goes back to the 50s. But when you're dreaming, you're actually out of the body. You're into the fifth dimension. And now my purpose is to use the out-of-body experience to connect them to the upper astral plane, not the lower. That's the origin of psychic attack. And to connect them with their higher self, the perfect part of their soul's energy on the upper astral plane that advises you and that actually heals you. So when I do my therapy, 99% of the therapy is done not by me, but done by the patient's higher self. I'm simply hooking the parties together. So I like to think of myself as the social director on the karmic cruise ship is the way I look upon this. Now, dreams are also sneak previews of past and future lives. And by the way, I was the one who developed the concept of future life progression. My first book, Past Lives, Future Lives, which is a Valentine book, Random House, was published in 1982. Nobody can say any other book was written on future life progression before that date. Maybe past life, sure but not future life. So I was the one who generated the field of future life progression into therapy. So what we learned from the dreams is that, so let's say you're dreaming of yourself, you're in ancient Rome or Egypt or Greece or Sumeria or somewhere around the world thousands of years ago. Very often, that isn't just fantasy. Uh, yeah, if you're watching a movie, you say you could do that, but mostly your higher self can actually communicate with you, read your Akashic records, the records of all your past, present, future, and parallel lives and give you that little scenario. So very often people get their information. When I do regressions, very often the patient will say, doc, I had a dream about that. I was in Egypt and I was uh, working on building the pyramids or whatever. Mm. And so in other words, the sneak previews are the dream levels. And by the way, anyone can do this. Uh, the soul also enters the new body within 24 hours before or after birth. So when a fetus is being developed in the womb of the mother, there is no soul to that fetus. The uh, mm -hmm. soul that's been occupied can kind of play peekaboo and come in and out and say, hey, what's going on? But it doesn't permanently stay, become part of the newborn baby until about 24 hours before or after birth. And another reason why that's significant is because if parents, if you think you actually name your child, you don't. Your right. child names themselves. What happens is that the child's soul will telepathically communicate with the mother and maybe the father too, and say, this is the name I want you to use. So talk about the people around you when you were in dental school and then you went for a dental practice, but it clearly you were very interested in already, like you said, right. you already so let, started. Let me, let me show you how this works. So you have to understand, I was in Baltimore, Maryland, not exactly yeah. a new age vortex city. No. Okay? And in those days, it was a city. Today, it's much more uh, high tech oriented. And in those days, it was a factory redneck city. Yeah. General Motors, Westing Electric, Bethlehem Steel. That's that's the population a good chunk of what Baltimore represented in the 1970s and 80s. So um, uh, what I did was I wanted to devote myself to the field, but I'm also <laughs> not stupid. I was the dentist, you know, I had a good income as a dentist. 
And I said to myself, well, I want to do this, but how, this is Baltimore. People, you know, they, they when you mentioned quantum physics to a Baltimore person, they just, yeah. right? And especially back then. I said to the universe, doing a super conscious mind tap, tapping into my own higher self. I practice what I preach. I said, universe, I need to promote myself. I want this to be a full-time practice. So the next thing I knew, I get a call from the local TV channel. This is a, a CBS affiliate. And there's a show called Hello Baltimore. And the host of the show, the uh, the news uh, the news director, so to speak, was the one who hooked up the producer. They said, Doctor, we've heard of your work, and we'd like to know whether you'd like to be on the show. And I said, sure. She goes, well, we're going to send the host to you. We want you to take him into past lives before we do anything. Whoa. Said, so they sent the guy up here. Uh, his name was Harry Martin. Was uh, he, he open to it? Yeah, he was very open to it. Okay. He wasn't a new age groupie, but he was definitely open to it. You remember, it's, it's a story, right? It's, it's a gig. He knew yeah. it was going to be popular because nobody was doing regressions in Baltimore those days. The co-host of the show was a woman named Edie House. Very nice woman. Uh, she, a couple of weeks after the interview, she was taking a shower. She tripped and fell and chipped her tooth, her front tooth. Now, this is a TV host, right? Okay. So now she goes to Harry because, you know, she, she calls Harry up. She's panicking and Harry's her best friend. Harry says, Doc Goldberg was on the show. He's a dentist. Why don't you give him a call? It's an emergency, right? So it was like you know, seven o'clock in the morning. So she calls me up and I said, come over to the office. So I put on a, a, what they call a veneer. Like it's called a mastique veneer. It's like, it's not a crown. It's just like a covering with a, with a acrylic. It's like a little, yeah. Yep. It's very cosmetic. It worked beautifully. So now she goes on the air. And so she goes, Harry's next, because Harry knows the story. So she goes, folks, I just want you to know that, you know that guest we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, that really very entertaining Dr. Bruce Goldberg with his hypnosis and past life regression? You see this? That's what he did this morning. Well, guess what? How many calls do you think I got for dentistry at that time, right? Okay. So again, the oh point is not to brag about it, but to show you that the universe is saying, we're going to help you build up your career. The world does not need another dentist. There's 135,000 dentists in this country. One less is not a problem. But what we do need is a full-time parapsychologist. parapsychologist. That's what the universe needs. And that's been my history with the field. Talk about when you say, so I did what I preach and I tap into my higher consciousness and I ask, talk about what, A, what that relationship is like and B, how easily accessible or not easily accessible that okay. is for so anybody. First, every, everybody can do, we all go through hypnosis for seven hours a day. Let me just define that. Hypnosis is nothing but a daydream level. We call this neurologically, using my medical background, an alpha brainwave, just like meditation. Meditation and hypnosis are the same thing. The only difference is technique. You don't sit into a lotus position and you don't wear a, uh, you know, the, the Pope's dress when you're doing this. Okay. You can do this any way you want, but basically it's progressive relaxation. It's characterized by three characteristics, relaxation, focus, concentration, time distortion. Those are the characteristics of a daydream of meditation and hypnosis. Now, you go through this every day, you're driving in the car and 25% of the time you're on the road, on the freeway, whatever you're doing, you don't remember where you are, you don't remember the exits. But if I was sitting next to you with an electroencephalograph to measure brainwaves and hooked it up to your forehead, you would measure alpha 25% of the time. Academic wow. studies, there's no argument in the field on that. Um, watching TV, doing research on the computer, uh, baking cookies, whatever you do that occupies time, takes that allows you to distract yourself from the world that you live in, whether it's relaxation, preferably something comfortable, something you enjoy, a hobby or an interest, whatever, playing with your dog can do it to anything, then you're in an alpha brainwave. So we do this for four hours during the waking day, broken up into 10 minutes, 15 minutes here, five minutes here. If you add them up, it's four hours. 
Now at night, you go into the REM cycle, the dream cycle. We have four or five sleep cycles throughout the night. Every hour and a half to two hours, you're in a new sleep cycle. It's a five-stage cycle. Stage five is the alpha, is the REM cycle. So you're actually in hypnosis when you're dreaming. And when you're dreaming at night, you're not unconscious. You are conscious. You don't realize it unless you remember a dream. But what we can actually give you conscious activities to do during the REM cycles. They do that in dream laboratories or sleep laboratories, they call that. So basically, you're logging in seven hours a day. That's one third of your life, almost, is what you're logging in every day. So when I do hypnosis, I'm not doing anything mystical. They're not floating on the ceiling. I'm just using a natural alpha brainwave for a therapeutic purpose of connecting the soul, the subconscious, the alpha brainwave, to its perfect counterpart, the superconscious mind or the higher self, which will raise the soul's energy to a higher level. Think of it as an energy immune system. Just like if somebody was to come up to you and sneeze in your face. And let's say that you're going to get droplets coming into your body, right? There's, you can't stop that unless you're wearing a uh, a salad bar in your face, the mask, you know, like they have in uh, you know, uh, the COVID mask and stuff. Okay, uh -huh. so let's assume you're not wearing a mask. Somebody sneezes, but meanwhile, your diet has been good. You're under less stress. You're getting plenty of rest. So that means your immune system is functioning pretty high. The, the viruses will go into your body. You've got eight elements of your immune system, phagocytes, type beta cells, alpha uh, T cells, all these things that will destroy the virus. You don't get a cold. I've had people sneeze in front of me. I've had little kids. I deal with kids as young as four years old in my practice. Sometimes they sneeze in front of you. You know, that's <laughs> okay. So let's say the opposite now, later on, you're under stress, you're not getting enough sleep, your diet is off, therefore your immune system is compromised. The same person would sneeze in front of you, you would get the cold. The only difference is the quality of your immune system. So with your higher self, think of it as a perfect part of your soul. And one of the universal laws that you should know about, and your listeners or viewers too, you cannot lower the soul's energy. Once you raise energy to a certain baseline, we call that, hmm. all you can do is plateau or go up. You can't go back down again. And the reason That's why you can't, my, my theory is that because the only purpose of being on the earth plane is to ascend. And if you were, if I look upon, look, I'm a, I'm a very idealistic person. I'm a realistic idealist. Let's put it that way. I look upon the world and I say the world is between 80 and 90% negative. Now, some people disagree with me, but you're going to admit, unless you're on some exotic hallucinogenic drug, that the world is more negative than positive. Would you agree with that? negative news items, politics, and all the all the people whining and yapping and complaining about things, and the uh, the uh, compulsive spending, compulsive drugs, compulsive sex, compulsive everything. All right, so if that was the case, if your soul was to raise itself up every time somebody saved a kitten, but lower itself every time somebody cut you off on the freeway, okay, or, or you got a negative piece of mail, or somebody just harassed you, then you would never ascend. The soul would never grow. You would be on the earth plane forever, and people would just kill each other or themselves. So the universal laws are set up so that you can grow and ascend. So once you have a baseline, you can only go up, either stay the same or go up. And that's why the techniques that I'm working with, remember, the higher self is doing 99% of the therapy, is not only permanent, it's eternal. Because let's say on a, on a zero to 100 scale, let's say right now you're at 25. Okay. And let's say by the end of this life, you're on 50, which is pretty good. When you reincarnate umpteen year, decades from now, you reincarnate at level 50, not at ground zero. Because you can't ascend to one lifetime unless your name is Buddha. Okay. Mm -hmm. doesn't work. 
So uh, you reincarnate at the level you left off at, and then it's a lot easier. Life gets better. There's less challenges and less aggravation and less psychic attack. And that's how people can ascend. So ascension is the ultimate goal. Everything else is earth plane caca. Yes, I'm so, saying have a good life, live in a good house, support your family. I'm not saying deny that. Just like I'm saying don't deny your physical body. Take care of it. But the body's going to eventually fertilize the lawn. Your soul is eternal. That's what will last forever. So you and know, isn't it interesting how I say this all the time in my classes, how we are raised, look, you were a dentist. So like we were, we're raised to take care of ourselves physically, to brush our teeth, wash our hair, you know, shower, you know, eat well, hopefully, but energetically or taking care of our souls. We don't, we're not really taught how to no, do that. I mean, you want to have good hygiene. So, because if you want to attract a small, uh, a soulmate and you smell like a sewer, you're not going to be able to be very <laughs> successful. Well, you want to take care of your body anyway, uh, because you want to live as long as you practically can. By the way, so when people cross into spirit, clinically die, there's no such thing as death. Yes, the physical body will die and stop functioning, and then it will go through the nitrogen cycle. Nobody argues that. I have an undergraduate degree in biochemistry. I'm well familiar with it, and I have a dental degree and a master's in counseling psychology. So I can tell you from the emotional perspective from that. However, the soul, just like a TV signal, this computer signal, this is electromagnetic radiation. That's what the soul is. Yeah. The soul is nothing but a TV signal or a computer signal that simply occupies your body for a certain period of time. And then it goes back into the fifth dimension, goes into a very complicated cycle, and then goes into what we call the soul plane, and then you choose your next body. Unless you're perfect, and then you ascend. You go into the higher planes, and you rejoin the God energy complex, and there's no more body, there's no more perpetrator, no victims, whatever. You're just in nirvana. You're in the eternal now. Talk about, you referred to twice now, the higher plane and the lower plane, and you were saying the lower plane is where the psychic attacks are. Um, what lower are you referring to? There are five lower planes. Let me let me define yep. this. Please do. Okay, so Love let's it. talk Thank about you. So this is the earth plane. This is a physical dimension. We call this the physical plane. We have physical laws here, which do not exist on the other dimensions. So this is the earth plane or physical plane. Beyond that is the astral plane. And every plane, by the way, has a certain sound and certain characteristic. The, um, the, the, the sound of the earth plane is thunder. So you don't want to practice out-of-body experiences during a thunderstorm. It's not hmm. going to hurt you, but you're like swimming upstream. Wait till the storm is over to do your techniques because it's just going to keep you back into the physical body. So the next dimension is beyond the earth is the astral divided into the upper and lower. The lower is the origin of psychic attack. you got lower level demonics there grays, reptilian aliens, all the people you don't want to meet. Uh, the upper astral plane is very positive. People think it's heaven. It's not. It's just a very positive dimension. And that's where your higher self hangs out most of the time. The roar of the sea, like a seashell against your ear, that's the sound of the astral plane. Okay. The next dimension beyond that is the causal plane. It's a very tiny dimension. It's the seat of your Akashic records, which is like a fifth dimensional computer chip of all your past lives, future lives and parallel lives. I call that paragression, going into a parallel universe, okay? Uh, which can be done, by the way, I do that too. Um, so that's the causal plane, and that's characterized by uh, the sound like a tinkling of bells, like you're in a new age bookstore, okay? You got that? Uh, so then you go into the, uh, the mental plane is the next dimension, and these are all part of the karmic cycle. The mental plane is where that masters will hang out, like your Moses, your Buddhas, your Jesuses, whatever. They will hang out the mental plane. It's the origin 
of ethics and integrity. Uh, it's how we keep our universe together. So the mental plane is very critical here. Uh, now, beyond the mental plane is the last dimension of the karmic cycle, which is one of the most important. And this is the etheric plane. The etheric plane is characterized by the sound of buzzing bees, okay? Uh, it doesn't, it's not annoying, but that's its characteristic sound. And it's a very large dimension. It's the largest of all the dimensions. 24-7, you can see stars if you look up into the sky. So what's significant about the etheric plane? Because every one of these dimensions has a spiritual body that you inhabit to enter that dimension. So on the earth plane, you're in your earth or physical body. If you go to the astral plane, you use your astral body. Etheric plane, etheric body. Why is that significant? Because all these bodies are different in structure from the earth plane body. For example, the astral body is taller, thinner, and younger looking than the physical body. Let's get well, it. A lot of my female patients love going to the astral. <laughs> I know. All right. I know that sounds like a sexist remark, but trust me, it's based on experience. 85% <laughs> of my patients. Now, the etheric body is identical physically to the physical body. Identical. Why is that important? Because if you were ever to lose the etheric body, you would die instantly on the earth plane. It will never happen. It's never, never been recorded. But there are surgeons called etheric plane surgeons on the etheric plane. They can operate on the etheric body, which is what I trained them to do. It's called etheric plane surgery. And then when you wake up the following morning, then you can transfer the healing from the etheric body to the physical. And I've worked with people with incurable diseases. I'm not trying to claim the presence of this, cancer, AIDS, lupus, you name it. They have cured themselves because of etheric plane surgery done by the etheric plane accompanied by the higher self on the etheric plane uh, mentality in the OR of the etheric plane. They use a lot of weird sounds and lights, et cetera, to do this. But it's very critical. So the etheric body is very important. So that that that's the so that's the out of body experience. So now the uh, earth plane, the astral, the causal, the mental, the etheric that makes up the karmic cycle. These five dimensions are the karmic cycle. You want to get out of it, obviously, but you're not going to until you perfect the soul. Now the next dimension, the sixth plane, is what I call the DMZ effect. This is the soul plane. It's neither the lower. Uh, 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 planes or the higher planes. It's where you go when you cross into spirit on any of these other dimensions. Yes, you can clinically die on the astral plane too. You're in your astral body and you have a life there. The reason people choose the earth plane is because you can work out the most karma here. It's more efficient, but you can also add the most karma here too. So it's a two-edged sword. So anyway, so let's say you die in any of the dimensions. You go right to the soul plane. The soul plane is a very strange dimension. It's It's got these big floating heads that are the permanent residents of the soul plane. Your masters and guides will be there. Your higher self will be there. And there you will be given like a holographic depiction of your life that you just lived. And then you will choose your next life. And uh, again, you make the choice. Sometimes people make bad choices. And a lot of people make bad choices. I see them all the time, but it's your choice. Now, when you do choose your next life, the family that you're going to be born into, they can blackball you. They can reject you. <laughs> have unanimous acceptance. Now, they'll do that on the astral plane. They don't know they're doing that. But if they reject you, then nice try. Choose another one. And so, why would why would a family reject? Like, talk, talk about they, some of the reasons. Because they have somebody else they want in there to work out their karma. Uh, maybe they've had bad experiences with you or they just don't really care. They have somebody else that's just like, think of it this way. Let's say that you're managing the New York Yankees, my favorite baseball team, and you've got a rookie that wants to come into the team and he's really good. But you've got another rookie 
who's a couple of months behind him in training, but going to be a better player. You want to wait for the other rookie because he's going to be a better player. You see? So basically it's like everyone's working out their karma and choosing. So it has to, it has to fit on all ends. Most of the time when people make their choice, they actually get that body. It's, it's relatively uncommon to be rejected. But anyway, so that's what Ascension is now. uh, So that's, that, that's what Ascension is. But let me just share some of the experiences, some of the advantages or benefits from using these techniques. I call this a super conscious mind tap is the main technique I use to access the higher self because you're dealing with perfect energy, which is creative and can heal anything. It comes from the God energy complex. That's why it can cure diseases that are incurable. Nothing is incurable. The higher self wants to cure it, it will do it. It's creative. All right, so you want you can eliminate the fear of death. You can do what I call psychic empowerment, which is you overcome habits and phobias and what I call self-defeating sequences, self-sabotage. You can access the higher self, of course, and you can facilitate the uh, ascension process. So that's the advantage of using the hypnotic approach here. And anyone can do this. Now, one of the cases that I would like to just mention briefly is my famous, my very famous case of a past life regression called, this is uh, depicted in my book called The Search for Grace, which was made into a CBS movie. It's about a woman who was uh, killed by the same man, we call him Johnny, not his real name, in 20 of the 46 lives that I that I was able to elicit with her. And in this current life, he tried to murder her on three different occasions. Okay. Yep. So I work with her. We did the techniques. We did this. We did the regressions. And then I did the super conscious mind tap. She was able to eliminate that karmic debt. And um, this case was done about 35 years ago. Uh, Over the next umpteen years, she broke up with the guy. He was a married guy. She was a single woman in her 20s, very attractive, very bright woman. Uh, She was able to get rid of the uh, uh, breakup with him and get rid of the karmic debt because she had a very great life beyond that. And that case was fully documented, at least the most recent case, which was a case in Buffalo, New York in 1927 when she was murdered on May 17th. And to show you how the universe works, May 17th, 1994, to the exact hour that she died 65 years later, the uh, 67 years later, she, the movie was aired on CBS at wow. 9, 11 p.m. Eastern time on May 17th, 1994, 67 years to the hour, to the minute that she died in her past life. So when you were working with her and doing the past, what, what did you guys discover was the reason for this oh, karmic debt? This was victimization. If you get, let somebody manipulate you and victimize you and you don't confront them and you don't protect yourself, they will, in fact, uh, come back again because you haven't learned the lesson. See, if you fail a karmic test, it doesn't matter whether you, you change the world. That's not the point. If you let somebody victimize you and you don't, and you fail that test and say, oh, I'm just going to move on, blah, 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 then you're going to get the same test again with interest and penalties. That's why you always want to confront people. Even if it's impossible to win that debate, you want to send the energy to the universe. You got it. Okay. I don't need a lesson anymore. And then you're going to get, you're going to get other karmic tests, but they're going to be a lot less significant to you. So that's why victimization is always the main issue I deal with patients. Procrastination, victimization, self-defeating sequences, and most commonly people are depressed, they have mood levels, anxiety, depression, but those victimization issues and procrastination are the key elements every patient of mine has to some degree. So when someone, to go back to the planes a little bit, when someone's communicating like with their guides or, you know, are they, how does the connection happen? Is it through a frequency? Are the guides bringing themselves to a lower frequency 
to be able so that you can process it or you, how does it work? Okay. It's more of a, of a case of Mohammed going to the mountain than the mountain going to Mohammed here. What happens <laughs> is you're doing this in your dream levels at night to hook yourself with the spirit guide, which is a very, very popular topic today. And I wrote a book called Spirit Guide Contact Through Hypnosis, by the way, to illustrate that. Uh, you go to the upper astral plane, your higher self is your referee. It's your mediator. Your higher self brings in the spirit guides. That's why you always want to connect with your higher self. So if you need a spirit guide, and there's a whole selection of them, there's relationship guides, there's uh, what we call a doctor guides that deal with the medical aspect. There are um, abundance guides if you want to do what I call karmic capitalism to attain abundance while growing spiritually. So there's all kinds of specialist guides. Your higher self is the one that will hook it up. So you always want to go to the higher self first. And the higher self would then bring in the spirit guide. And sometimes the higher self does the healing too. But but very often it will bring in a spirit guide that's a specialist on a particular uh, aspect. And remember, the whole purpose of this is ascension. The whole purpose of this is to perfect the soul, to uh, accomplish all these karmic debts so that the karmic balance is zero. Once it's zero, you eliminate all the karmic debts, then uh, you are perfect as a soul. You're going to merge with your higher self. You can become one with your higher self. That's what atonement means, at one meant with your higher self. Mm. And then you can ascend, just like the, the Buddha mentality. See, Buddha, I always like the Buddha concept because Buddha was supposedly uh, perfected his soul, but instead of ascending to meet with the higher, the God energy complex, whatever, he decided to stay as a spirit guide. And that's what the Buddha thing is. He says, I'm going to stay here and help other people to ascend. And that's what spirit guides do. Because spirit guides, let me define the difference. A spirit guide is not an angel. A spirit guide is a person, uh, a soul, that was human at one time, crossed into spirit, evolved. They're not perfect necessarily, but they're more spiritually advanced than we are. So they can work with us. But they're not, not angels. They didn't come directly from the God energy complex. They came from, they had a, a past life. They had obtained lives. An angel is a direct element of God. It's a messenger of God. So that that uh, the angel is a perfect entity, a perfect, not a being, I call it an energy source um, that has never been human. Now, you're not going to work with angels that much. There are very few angels around. They work with usually masses of groups of people, not individual. Rarely do they work with people individually. It's the spirit guides that work with you individually. But you won't know that because if you see some sort of energy source that's helping you or killing you from a disease or whatever it is, you can assume it's an angel. Because that's the way we're programmed. You don't right. see that much spirit guides mentioned outside the New Age uh, discipline, but you do see the term angel used across the board by the media, by the world that we live in in general. Everybody talks about angels. Every every religious scripture has angels in it. Old Testament, New Testament, Tibetan Book of the Dead, the Vedas from India, they all have angels in there, okay? Um, they also have devils too. Uh, <laughs> but um, the point is, is that... Um, uh, but the uh, spirit guide is someone that you may have known them in a past life. They may have been a buddy of yours. That is not uncommon. Spirit guides are very often people you've had past life connections with in a very positive way. Uh, and, th and they help you. So, again, the purpose of this is to help you uh, cleanse away the karmic debts, perfect the soul, and deal with ascension. So let's talk about ascension for a few moments. So ascension is, I'm going to get a little technical here, but I have to cover this because this is not just, uh, you know, uh, a, a theology that's based upon wishful thinking. Ascension is initiated by modulating the level of consciousness uh, of the frequency vibrational rate of the soul's energy so that it is perfectly balanced. All the karmic that is removed, and this is uh, accomplished through an orientation 
of your auric field that is moderated by the higher self. Sometimes spirit guides are in, but usually it's just the higher self. So the higher self will, it's like putting the square peg into the square hole. It modifies it, removes the karmic debts, and then you can ascend it. Remember, the soul is electromagnetic radiation of all kinds, including the higher self. So the soul connects to the higher planes through what we call a geophysical time warp, so that when you're perfect, you go from the soul plane through this geophysical time warp. Think of like a, 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 a like a wormhole, if you want to use a quantum physics analogy. And then you go into the higher planes. And once you do that, God, without, I don't care what the theological scholars say. I don't care what the scriptures say. No more body. You're pure energy. Right. Okay? And now you're in the higher planes. Now, that would be the seventh plane. You go all the way up in my paradigm to the 13th plane, which is the God or nameless mm -hmm. plane. That's where the God energy complex consists of. Because I look upon the belief, I'm a theist, I'm a monotheist, but not, I don't believe in any form of religion. I, I have a problem with all of them. And I can out-debate anyone on their scriptures. They're kind of a joke. But I do believe in a God <laughs> energy complex. I believe it's energy, not some white man with a beard, smiting people down, uh, having a, you know, whatever. I'm not into that at all. Okay, really not. I believe in a perfect energy source. That is now the, the uh, so so you want when you're in the higher planes, even the seventh one, which is the lowest of the higher planes, you're still perfect. You just uh, evolve a little bit more and more and more until you get to the 13th plane. And then you rejoin the God energy complex like a big amoeba here. You just mm -hmm. rejoin back into it. So that's what ascension is. It's the only reason why we're here. So but when people go out of the body, let me just differentiate here. Uh, I know a lot of uh, a lot of people like to do out of body experiences, and they don't know what dimension they're on. I gave you the characteristics so they can remember that, or it's in my exploring the fifth dimension book. But sometimes you go to the lower astral plane where you don't want to go, uh, and that's because you leave the body through the third chakra, the solar plexus or belly button area. If you do that, you can only go to the lower astral. You want to leave through the top of the head, the crown chakra. Is seven. that because it's part of your lower energetic system? Is that why? You don't know the techniques to go to the higher chakras. That's why. The techniques yeah. that I work with there are going to be uh, all my CDs, the MP3 files, they all have techniques of spiritual protection. But let, let's define them. So the lower astral plane, you're going to feel feelings of confusion and bewilderment. It's a very noisy and nasty dimension. The upper astral plane, you're going to have feelings of alertness, peace, and happiness. If you're on the lower astral plane, it's going to seem like a, a, a misty or foggy environment, like cheesecloth. Okay, you can't really see things clearly. On the upper astral plane, it's earth-like and beautiful. On the lower astral plane, you're going to get the presence of bizarre entities, ETs, reptilians, greys, um, creepy little, like all the entities that you read about in, in, in modern day science fiction, werewolves, vampires, uh, even fairies, pixies, trolls, those are all lower astral entities. On the earth plane, you will only get human inhabitants. Uh, the noisy and disorganized I mentioned earlier is the lower astral. The upper astral is quiet and organized. The lower astral has no spiritual growth potential. The, the, the higher self does not have anything to do with the lower astral. You're in a bad neighborhood. The upper astral, you have unlimited spiritual growth, and now you can connect with your higher self. So you see, you always want to um, go on to the upper astral plane, not the lower. You see? So that's interesting. Talk about how you were saying like your higher self has nothing to do with the lower astral plane. So is it just kind of, how is it not connected at all? Well, because the higher self simply decides it's perfect energy. It simply says, I'm not going on the lower astral plane. 
That is not, that would be lowering myself. And yeah. I don't want to be exposed to that negative energy because it would have to then remove that negative energy because it's perfect. And that's just a waste of time. So there's two things the higher self would not communicate with. One is the higher self. Two is your ego defense mechanisms. As I'm speaking to you right now, you have two levels of consciousness that are working. One is the ego or beta yeah. brainwave level, which is analytical, critical, short attention span, and never wants to change and likes to control people. The second part is the subconscious or soul, which is like a computer. It absorbs, stores everything. You never forget anything. If you're conscious and you're absorbing things from the subconscious level, it's open-minded, but you do have a moral ethical code. So if somebody was to use hypnosis or meditation or uh, bio, uh, alpha genetics or any kind of technique to try to brainwash you to kill someone or to have a vegetarian eat a steak, it won't work because your moral ethical code can never be violated. So that's why you never have to worry about somebody controlling you. In fact, not only do they not control you, and that includes me, but people can reject everything you do. Uh, and any patient of mine can reject all my training if they want. They don't, but they could. Some do, very rarely, uh, but that's, <laughs> that's about you. So, so anyway, so let, let's talk a little bit about now. Another one of our advices, you got angels are rare, but you got your higher self and spirit guides. Another advice that you have, which is uh, human beings, they're from the earth plane, but they're from the future. They're mm. called I call them chrononauts. And I've written a couple of books on that, Time Travelers from Our Future, and my Egypt book also deals with time travelers. All right, so time travelers, uh, uh, there was a man named Tatos, T-A-A-T-O-S. Uh, he was, um, the year was approximately 3,050. I have done this few two future life progressions. I've had information from patients of mine from all over the world prior to my writing my books that gave me the same information. And the time travels that I depict in the book, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, and some of them I have met myself, and I'll tell you the one that's most important to me. Um, they um, are all, not only are they depicted in detail, but they were reported to me by people from all over the world with no communication with each other because I have an international practice. I do Zoom sessions from every continent that you can imagine. And uh, that's high credibility. If people who don't know each other give you the same information, highly credible. Just like every every civilization reports floods in the old days, okay? Now the whole earth wasn't underwater, but there were regional floods. And we have evidence of that scientifically. So the time travel was developed by Tatos. This was about the year 3050. He uh, was the da Vinci of the future. He was an archaeologist, a, a doctor, a medical doctor. He was a philosopher, a physicist, you name it. So um, he uh, first developed a, a concept. He used what's called a wormhole linear accelerator to go through wormholes, where a craft with time travel teams would go into the giant wormhole. Right now, they're microscopic, but in the future, they will develop ability to enlarge them and uh, go back in time. And uh, so... When he was the first time travel team, listen to the names of the first time travels. 3050 AD, okay? Tatos, Geb, Isis, Osiris, and Horus. That was your first time travel team. Wow. Go back and they went to ancient Egypt first. Does that sound like the gods of ancient Egypt? Yeah. Now, Tatos is also known as Thoth, which is known as Hermes by the Greeks. So Tatos was the depiction of thought by the Egyptian Book of the Dead and all the Egyptian theology. Now, these time travelers actually became pharaohs. Tatos became pharaohs several times. Uh, remember, they could skip hundreds of years in the future. They could just go back and forth. Um, so that was the first time travel team. Now, the first team uh, 
that was established regularly. He was just the beginning part. After that, he went back to his 3050, and then they established teams to go back in time. That's how we have our technology. Okay. Why do we have technology today over the last 50, 100 years, 200, well, let's say 100 years? Why didn't ancient Greece do this? Why didn't have TV sets and space programs? The ancient Greeks were brilliant. Okay. They had brilliant people. They had one of the most brilliant minds in the world. Archimedes was brilliant. Hero, the guy who developed uh, a steam engine that the Romans rejected back 2,000 years ago. Okay. These guys were brilliant. And we had natural resources more so than we have today. Right. right? Okay, got that? Okay. So um, so anyway, the first regular team, other than Tatos's team, you had greys, just like the ETs we have today, except in the future, since they live on the earth and have been here for many hundreds of years, uh, they have their gray card, as I call that, okay? But they're Zeta Reticuli, from the Zeta Reticuli uh, constellation. They're the insect alien with black eyes, uh, large black eyes, gray skin, no earlobes, uh, four fingers and toes. Um, and um, they all wear uniforms with a triangle on there. Whenever you see a uniform mm-hmm. with a triangle and you have an ET, that's a futuristic ET. If it's a current ET from the current time sequence, they won't have that triangle insignia. Always mm-hmm. an example of the future. So they were usually two grays uh, for a typical team beyond uh, Tatos's team. There was a hybrid, uh, one hybrid who was uh, a very human-looking, Caucasian-ish um, uh, guy about five and a half feet tall, uh, having large faceted eyes and an odd-looking forehead. But from a distance, he looked like a pure human. But in reality, the closer you get to the uh, hybrid, half human, half ET, the more you realize you're not in Kansas anymore. Okay, so <laughs> um, that's the hybrid. And the hybrid was superior to the grays. The grays were like gophers in a way, lower level. The the hybrid would 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 monitor them. And now the head of the team was a pure human, six and a half to seven feet tall, blue eyes, uh, uh, tan, clean shaven, blonde, wearing a white uh, cloak or like a, uh, uh, you know, like a a toga kind of thing, Mm -hmm. golden sash around it. And uh, they were the head of the time travel team. Now, the reason why people, I have to, you know, we live in a weird society these days. People think this is a very racist mentality. It isn't. The reason why you have the Caucasian as the head. In the future, they're going to be every race is depicted. you got Native Americans, Blacks, Latinos, whatever. Fine. Okay, Asians, whatever. The problem is when they sent back the dark-skinned people to head the team, they were killed by previous ancient civilizations. Mm. The ones were not. Just like today, if you study Africa or Australia, the Aborigines, et cetera, you will see when a blonde, blue-eyed female would come in there, let's say some of the uh, uh, you know, explorers, whatever, they worshipped them as a god, a goddess, okay? Because they were different. But the dark-skinned ones, they said, who the hell are you? You know, And they would kill them. So basically, um, most of the human time travelers were Caucasians for that purpose. Now, when they're going, what what is, are they dipping in and out or are they dipping in and staying and changing? Okay, so now we have a timeline of concept. Now, here's where the men in black become relevant here. This becomes very heavy. So uh, a time traveler team, just like the U.S. government, uh, does not want to promote ET contact. I know now they're being a little bit more open-minded, more for distraction. They don't want to do that because they want to control you, number one. And number two, they don't want you to realize that the technology that we have today didn't come from your tax dollars. It came from ETs and time travelers. They know that. I know that. Every civilization has had contact with ETs and time travelers. They just don't like to admit it. Now, 
The problem is we have the men in black. Now, the men in black, forget about the movie. Those are comedy folks. They're <laughs> irrelevant, okay? Uh, I did a radio interview with the screenplay writer of the first men in black movie. And I said, where'd you get your research from? Because there's a lot of research on men in black. I yeah. have a book in my time travels book. You know what you said? I got it from the comic book. <laughs> really? That's your research? Hollywood, okay? All right. Not a dumpster All right. So the men in black, uh, the uh, U.S. Air Force has the uh, AFSAC division, uh, which is the men in black. They uh, wear they wear the black suit with the white shirt and the black tie. Their license plates cannot be uh, researched, okay? They have unknown vehicles and this and that. Uh, yes, they do. And if they see an ET or a time traveler, they will kill them. They're very mm -hmm. hard-nosed. They're like the CIA. They're very, very ruthless. Now, there's also futuristic men in black. And there's also ETs that are men in black, too. All right. The problem is, is that the, the time travelers do not want to stay on the Earth plane very long because the men in black will detect them and kill them. They hang around the fifth dimension, just like with your higher self. But occasionally, there are techniques they can avoid the men in black contact, and they can stay on the Earth plane on a certain time period, as Tatos and his crew did. When they do that, and they're here for five years, not necessarily the same city, but in the same time element, and they stay on there for five years, they become a timeliner. That's what it's called. And now the men in black can't trace them. That's why Tatos could be a pharaoh of Egypt. This is before the first dynasty. This is way before 3100 BC. Uh, and therefore, they can't trace them. They don't know who they are. And so what are the rules? Like, So let's say Tatos goes back, actually so the stays there. Are, the rules are the prime directive from Star Trek. Don't, don't interfere with the uh, development of civilization. However, they do give us technology, but they're not going to kill Hitler or Saddam Hussein or Mao Zedong. They're not going to do that, okay? But they are going to give us technology. Because if you look at, um, let me just give you something. This was, uh, I have something that I would like to read, which is really kind of interesting. I could find it here. Okay. And while you're looking like that rule too, what happens if they get hurt or injured or die on this time period or whatever time period they well, go back to? That becomes a problem. When they die, uh, then the issue is they uh, affect the um, our, our, our history because if they die, then uh, then what about, then you're wiping out their, their accomplishments, you see? Homo erectus, our predecessor, was around for 1.8 million years, some say 2 million years. And they basically did nothing. They had some tools. They weren't very smart. I mean, they survived 1.8 million years is a good lifespan. But if you look at the 1.8 million year old Homo erectus versus the one that died off maybe 50,000 years ago, there wasn't much of a difference in technology. They had some stone tools and this and that, but they weren't very cool. What have we done in the last 500 years? I'm just going to take 500 years with the Renaissance and stuff. Look what we've done. What about the last 100 years? What about the last 50 years? You think this is done by normal evolution? No. It would take probably a billion years, to, or well, let's say hundreds of millions of years to do this kind of technology because we were interfered with by ETs. The Sumerians, if you read the Anunnaki history of the Sumerian, mm -hmm. they talk about you know, uh, Enlil and all these other all these other gods, they call them, which were basically ETs from what they call the, you know, uh, Planet X. Um, but there were other ETs, uh, the Syrians, the Lyrans uh, came here, the Greys, the Reptilians, uh, the Greys are the uh, Zeta Reticuli, uh, the Reptilians, which are genetically related to the uh, Greys and the Pleiadians. They, our species has been, um, you might say, uh, fertilized more than my lawn 
Okay. We have <laughs> interactions. Yep. But we all have ET genes, is what I'm saying. Yep. Now, if you go to a doctor and say, okay, I want to do a haploid sample of you, and you got normal human genes. How do we know our baseline is what we have today? It doesn't tell you what you were like 500,000 years ago or a million years ago. They don't know that. They don't have a, they don't have a sample. So we all have ET genetics. There's been a lot of interbreeding. Um, so basically, the time travelers are trying to protect us because some of them try to control us, like the Lyrans, nasty ET group. They have the reddish hair. Um, they had the uh, they were uh, light skin. They had a very violent temper and uh, they were uh, uh, cats and birds were their symbols. That's why the eye, the eye of Horus, you know, the eye mm -hmm. was similar to them, very important to them. The Syrians were different. Those were the dogs and the serpents. They were the good guys. But the Lyrans came here first by maybe 50,000 years. So they had a big leap. The Syrians had to catch up. And then the Syrians, of course, also utilized the time travels because we have the advanced technology that even the Syrians and Lyrans didn't have. You can can you imagine what technology is going to be like in two thousand years? Um, so um, the um, they they were the saviors because they tried to control us. They wanted to uh, they interactively with genetics. They they interacted with our genes to make us more human, to make us smarter, so we could be good workmen. A Neanderthal, right? Or a, um, Homo erectus wasn't a good workman. But a homo sapien sapien. Yeah, you see, that's, that's what I've heard too, is to become like a slave in some sense. But I have a question. I want to stay on time travel. So obviously you're talking about from like the future travelers coming back. What about people nowadays on the simple things? Like even though it's not something developed because we're energetic beings, how do we have the ability to do it now? And how have people done it? You have some really great examples in your book of how people do it with not even realizing it sometimes. Well, uh, when you go into the fifth dimension, you're automatically doing time travel. That's why my hypnotic technique, I call this an IBE. So when I'm working with a patient with hypnosis, their, their body, their, their consciousness is from the perspective of the physical body, but their senses are now into the fifth dimension. So they're using their sixth sense. You see, they're not floating on the ceiling necessarily. If they were, it's a full-blown out-of-body experience. So when you're in the fifth dimension, why is that significant? Well, for lots of reasons, you contact your higher self, number one, but you also perceive past, present, and future events simultaneously. Therefore, you're automatically doing time travel. So let me give you my famous right. helicopter analogy. This is important to understand. I'm dealing with quantum physics. I know it's confusing, folks. Trust me, there's a math that supports this, okay? In fact, the people who don't like quantum physics, your cell phones, your computers, the space program, uh, all the chips in your computer-operated vehicles and appliances. It's all quantum mechanics, quantum physics. So quantum physics is a real hard science. So let's say you're you're in a car and you're driving on the freeway, whatever, I don't know, your local area. And you have just come from an area five miles behind you is a, are the cars. You can't see five miles behind you on the freeway. You can only see a few hundred feet maybe, right? But that was your past. Now you're going to a destination. Let's say it's five miles in front of you. That's your future. But you can't see that because you can only see a few hundred feet or maybe a hundred yards in front of you. Let's say that you, somebody else was in a helicopter a couple of hundred feet above the freeway, like doing a radio traffic report that they do, right? That helicopter can see all three of your time elements, past, present, and future. future. And if you all have cell phones, it can communicate with your past, you, the present, and the future. That's what the out-of-body experience or the IBE consists of. You're in the 
uh, fifth dimension. And now you, that's why patients of mine can perceive a past or future life or even a parallel life. Of course, they're accessed to their Akashic records, but they're getting that from the causal plane, which is in the fifth dimension. Everything- talk about like your, that story that I love about like the two girls who were almost hit by, was it hit by a car? And that was a, uh, that was actually a teleportation as well as time travel. Two girls were like, say, uh, 10 years old, nine, 10 years old. They were walking home from school. This is in Texas, deep in the heart of Texas, okay? And um, they're walking home from school. It's a nice warm day, right? And all of a sudden, a car uh, is, is, there's a drunken teenager driving a car and the car jumps the curb and is gonna kill the two girls. A 18 year old teenager dressed in a blue tennis outfit tackles the girls moves him away, the car crashes into a fire hydrant or something. Uh, the kid didn't die, but you know his father wasn't happy with him. But <laughs> the girls were saved. So now the girls remember that, of course. And so now we fast forward eight years later. One of the girls is going to pick up the other girl in a car to play tennis. The girl that she's going to pick up fell asleep on the couch wearing a blue tennis outfit. And she had a dream when she went in time to save two young girls, which was herself and her friend. So this is a woman who went teleported, number one, teleported from the future to the past eight years before, saved her life and her friend's life, teleported back into the uh, future where she said she was knocked out for a half an hour. She had no idea what was going on. So she actually saved her own life as well as the life of her best friend. And talk about how that happens, because, I mean, we think so linearly. So for us, it's like, but how did she know? And It's all fifth dimensional. So let me give you a a little better example that would be more time relevant. One of my patients was a woman here in Los Angeles. She was very much victimized by her boyfriend who would beat her up, would torture her. I mean, she was really in a bad shape. And I'm working with her to try to get to empower her. So I give her these post-hypnotic instructions to get her back into the trance. And I'm training her to do teleportation, which is an extremely difficult technique. Very difficult, very unpredictable. It's safe, but it's rare. So now she's driving with her boyfriend on the freeway, the 405 freeway here in LA, which is a massive freeway. The boyfriend is punching her and he's just like torturing her. So he opens up the door and kicks her out of the car, traveling 70 miles an hour in the freeway. She's under freeway traffic. Now there's a car coming in the other direction that's about to kill her. So what does she do? She says to herself the number 23 times, which is a post-hypnotic suggestion I give her. The next thing she's know, she's on her couch in her living room with a twisted ankle, with a sore ankle. The car went through her. It didn't hit her because she wasn't there. She teleported from the freeway about 10 miles away back to her apartment in her living room. That was teleportation. Of course, the boyfriend stopped the car. He didn't know what was going on. The driver on the opposite end, he pulled over. He didn't know what was going on. They all thought they were crazy, but there was no woman there. So eventually my patient now, because of that and a few other things we dealt with, she was able to break up with the idiot and go on with her life and meet somebody a lot more functional. But that was teleportation. That wasn't time travel. That was just isolated teleportation. So um, now how but, often does something like that happen when people are spontaneous cases? Let me give you my example of teleportation because I can relate to this. I'm going to use my subjective history here. So way back when I was in Baltimore, way back in 1977, I guess, was, I'm trying to think of it, it was, it was uh, no, it was the early 80s. 
I had gone to um, Montego Bay, Jamaica between Christmas and New Year's in 1977. At that time, that was my best vacation I ever had because mm -hmm. it's getting very cold in Baltimore. You know, it's snowing, it's sleet, whatever. And here I am in Montego Bay for a week, baking my chest in the sun and going parasailing, <laughs> enjoying myself. Now it's five years later and it's a Sunday. It's um, end of December. It's like playoff time. I was watching the football playoffs and I had a patient coming in on Monday morning and I was saying to myself, you know, I really wish I was in Montego Bay right now. Okay, I mean, why am I here? The weather sucks and I just, I can't stand the winter. I'm a, that's why I live in Los Angeles now. So I said, well, why don't I teleport? So I had, at that time I had three miniature schnauzers as pets. So I go and I change my clothes. I put on my bathing suit. I have my Zoris. I have my copper tone. I have my little transistor radio. Remember this is 1982, give or take. And um, I'm lying on the couch. My dogs are looking at me like, what are you crazy? What are you doing? Okay. The next thing I know, I'm on the beach in Montego Bay. It's the afternoon, early afternoon. There's very few people on the beach except a very cute co-ed, a little young girl, probably 20 years old, lying on a beach towel. And I'm two feet away from her. So she looks at me and she goes, where did you come from? You, know, you can't walk fast on the beach, on the sand, right? Right. I said, well, I travel quickly. I said, do you mind if I lie my, uh, put my towel down talking? She goes, yeah. So we're having a good conversation, going swimming, everything is fine. So now a few hours later, she says to me, now, look, I go to this beach every day. Uh, how long are you going to be in town? And I said, well, my flight leaves uh, rather soon. But if I'm here, I'll definitely come back here. But right now, I don't think I'm going to be here very long. Next thing I know, I'm back on my couch, right? I teleported back from Montego Bay to Baltimore. So people say to me, oh, okay, doctor, how, why, why couldn't this have been a dream? Yeah. Why couldn't this have been an out-of-body experience, not a teleportation? Teleportation, you physically move from one place to another. Got that? So I said, there's one thing you can't do in hypnosis. I've done everything you could possibly do. I went and I had a suntan. Yep. Not only that, but there was sand in my sneakers and in my bathing suit. I had to change my clothes and take a shower. How do I do that in Baltimore inside my house on December 28th, 1982? The answer is you teleport. That's the only way you do it. So that's my example of teleportation. Uh, and again, my patients have done that too. Um, so it, it can be done. It's rare. Most of the cases of spontaneous uh, England and Argentina have the two most uh, documented examples of teleportation for whatever reason. Those two countries are just at least London area, Southern England uh, and Argentina. And I document them in my time travelers book to uh, show you the example. Some of them are very famous. What about this idea of like you were talking about in the future, the wormholes are much bigger, so it's easier to use them. What about this idea of, and maybe you've come across this in any of your regressions of kind of like the Bermuda Triangle or any of these vortexes where if you don't have kind of the proper energy, you could kind of be taken to a different dimension or a parallel well, life. So in there are cases, most of the cases of the Bermuda Triangle, uh, many of them are disappearing cases where planes have flown in, like after World War II, there was certain incidences that are well-documented where they never found the crash. They never found the plane. They never okay. found any evidence of these people. Now, cruise ships still go through the Bermuda Triangle. You don't have incidents every day. I can tell you that. But um, yes, my guess is that the way I can figure this out is that you're creating an energy vortex. Because you notice now the planes will tell you, the pilots, when they're communicating while they're in the triangle, uh, commander, captain, my, my dials are going crazy. On the, There's a magnetic thing going on here, which is true. 
That would be a part of the electromagnetic field that would be created by the Bermuda Triangle. By the way, there's also a triangle in the Pacific Ocean, the equivalent. They call that the Devil's Triangle. It's the same thing as the Bermuda Triangle, okay? So you can ask the Japanese pilots about that. Um, so that would be an energy vortex. Let me tell you about my personal experience with time travel. So when I developed the time travel concept, uh, mid-90s, my book came out in 1998, the first one. But this was around 94, 95, so shortly after my TV movie came out. So I was developing techniques. I would deal with people with UFO, UFO abductees, out-of-body experiences, my, my career was evolving. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the fifth dimension in my sanctuary, as I call it. I create like a conference room in the fifth dimension. And there's my higher self. Okay, fine. I'm communicating with my higher self. Hey, you know, what's going? K-Pasa, you know? And then all of a sudden, next to my higher self, a person, a human being materializes who looks like a Malibu beach boy. He looks like a surfer. He looks like he's 20 years old, blonde hair, blue eyes, wearing a white robe. I said, who are you? I thought it was a spirit guide at first. So remember, all communication is telepathic in the fifth dimension. So you're not going to hear voices. So he says, um, I am a time traveler from the 30, at that time it was the 36th century. He has several lives as time travelers. And I said, really? And my higher self is saying, yes, he is. Let him speak. Okay. Or let him telepath. Okay. So I said, go ahead. He says, my name is Traxa, T-R-A-K-S-A. And my name changes regarding the mission that I'm on. And I'm on a very important mission that involves you, as well as other people. I said, really? You're involving me? What, what, what do I, how would I fit into this? He says, one of my purposes here was to help your career. Because in the future, in the 36th century, apparently, this gets weird, my work is known. So he mm -hmm. said, I want to help you to create your I said, so how are you doing that? He says, spell my name backwards. What does it say? Traxa, T-R-A-K-S-A, Ask Art. He introduced me to Art Bell, the one who originated the Coast to Coast radio network. Now, mm. Art Bell is, is subsequent passed across into spirit, but George Norrie does his show. And I've been a guest with uh, George since 2003. And I go along with that network since 1994 was my first interview. So in other words, he helped me in my career. I got that? Okay, so now... Let me give you one other instance to show you how time travelers can work as spirit guides, even though they're not spirit guides. In 1969, it was February, and I was ending my semester break. I was a junior in college, and I was going back to New Haven, Connecticut from Long Island. That was my school at the time. So uh, I, I turned on the radio, and uh, it was it was there was like snow coming down. It was like a little powder snow. I wanted to make sure it wasn't going to be creepy. So I'm listening to the radio because I'm getting ready to go back to school. It's only an hour and a half drive, and it says we're going to have a light dusting of powder throughout the day. Nothing to be concerned about, which would make a difference. I would drive anyway because I couldn't wait to get back to New Haven. I love my college experience. So I'm I'm in the car. I'm on the Long Island Expressway going toward the New England Expressway. And all of a sudden, the snow starts coming down like there's no tomorrow. As it turns out, it was the largest snowstorm in 100 years in New York City. My car goes into a snowdrift somewhere in the Bronx, and um, I'm trying to dig it out. I can't. My hands are wet. I'm going to die. Nobody's around. This is hypothermia time now, right? I'm in big trouble. So right now, I'm saying, what do I do? I could, I could stay in the car and put the heat on, but eventually, I'm going to run out of gas, and I'm going to freeze to death. I know that. I'm, I'm a doctor. I know what hypothermia is. So all of a sudden in my head, remember, I'm not psychotic here. I hear a voice, a very, almost like a Greek siren, a beautiful, sexy woman's voice. That's mm -hmm. 
Move on a 45 degree angle forward now. I got nothing to lose. Now remember, this is snow blindness. You can't see anything. All you see is white. This is polar bear in the snowstorm time, right? So I figure, okay, I got nothing to do. I don't know who that voice is, but whatever it is, I'm not in a worse situation now. So I figure logically, I'm gonna follow the voice. I'm walking and walking and walking, getting colder and colder. And about 45 minutes later, I can see through the white snow a neon sign. It said Tardis, not Sardis. That's a famous restaurant in the Manhattan, which is now closed. Tardis was a catering place in the Bronx. So I figure if I see a neon sign, I'm going to see a building and I'm going to break into that building. They can arrest me. I don't care. I'm not going to die. This is this is life or death. So there's a big, big building with a big white, uh, a big uh, plain glass wind, plain glass front to it, right? So I go up to the door. I'm assuming it's locked and I'm going to break into it. I don't care. I put my hand on the doorknob. It's unlocked. So I walk in. Now I'm still doing entering, which is still a criminal procedure technically, right? So I enter and the lights are on. It's heated. My life is saved. Out of the back office, a woman comes out. Remember, this is a catering place. Nobody's on the road now. This is an emergency now. This is a state emergency or a city emergency. Woman comes out and she goes, oh, young man, why don't you, you're all, you're all wet. Why don't you go into the other room and dry your clothes out and I'll prepare you something to eat. Okay. Wow. My life was safe. So years later, when I was doing my fifth dimensional travel technique, I wanted to find out who that was. My higher self is there. And in this particular case, Traxa was there too. Right. Okay, good. Think a track is going to know what's going on. He says, uh, I don't know who that is. I said, <laughs> thank you very much, Traxer. Uh, meanwhile, right next to him, a beautiful Greek goddess materializes with a beehive hairdo, the white toga, beautiful green eyes. Right. That's the woman. Okay. Because I did see an image of her. And I said, well, who are you? She goes, I'm also from the 36th century. Yes, I'm from a different place than Traxo, so he won't know me. But um, I, I'm a time traveler, and I went back in time to save you in Baltimore. At that, or that was New York City at the time, uh, because uh, we didn't want your life to end. That was before I got into hypnosis. She goes, we didn't want to nip you in the bud. So, yes, I helped you to save your life so that you could progress, go and do your thing. And then Traxa could take the second phase of that uh, training here or that uh, empowerment and to help you there. So that's my own personal experience. A lot of people have had the experience. I'm just trying to tell you that it made me very optimistic in general, but definitely about the technique. So people can criticize. They can make fun of it all they want. All I know is. I'm here. I'm on the earth plane. I'm not in the astral plane right now. And thanks, I love it. Thanks to those two time travelers, I'm still here doing my thing. So again, anybody can contact time travelers. Uh, my book, Time Travels from Our Future, and the, and the Egypt book goes there. The fifth dimensional travel CD that they will get free if they get the if they order the fifth the Exploring the Fifth Dimension book from my homepage will also guide them into it. And I have other CD programs like time travel training programs that will also help them to step-by-step step guide them into the fifth dimension and to train to access a time traveler. And there is a teleportation exercise. Very difficult to do, but you can do it. It's Amazing. not. Again, there are documented cases. So, so that's my uh, spiel here with the time travelers. The the young girls that we talked about that saved her, her friend's life in the um you know, by going back in time in Texas is another example of teleportation along with time travel. Now, would you like to know about a couple of 
technologies from the 35th century to show you where we're coming from, from a technological Sure. Okay, so these are, these are examples of technology from the 35th century. One is called the, the, um, the land of Tatos. Now remember, Tatos was the one who developed time travel in the 31st century. So the society obviously acknowledged him. He got like the Nobel Prize, whatever it was in those days. And they developed an amusement park, which is anti-gravity. It floats mm. about 8,000 feet above the earth. And then it's got a it got a force field around it, so you can't fall over the edges. And when people go there, they can travel back in time. So if you want to go back to the Renaissance for the afternoon, you have a certain person that goes along with you, so that you don't like a guide. Yeah. But that's called the land of Tatos. Now there's also something that I call the mind rich machine. It looks like a microwave, except it's not a microwave. You think of a of a food that you want to eat like the proverbial chicken sandwich, you send the energy out, it prepares the chicken sandwich. Mm. It's organic, you won't gain weight, you'll be very nutritionally oriented with this, and it's your thoughts that create the actual design. It also works with beverages too. Uh, There's one of those now. <laughs> there's a technique that's very important called the alpha syncolarium. Now this is something that looks like a um, looks like an OR operating table, you, or maybe a, 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 an isolation tank would be a better analogy. It sends signals of, of energy, of light, et cetera, through you. The purpose of the alpha syncolarium is to increase the quality and production of DHEA. It's a normal hormone that we produce. Eventually, it's a sex hormone, estrogen in women, testosterone in men, but it also is a main part of our immune system. It stimulates the T lymphocytes, which fights viral diseases like cancer, AIDS, et cetera. Okay, so what is the advantage of that? Well, it slows down the aging process. And I work with that too. I have, you know, mine is not as exotic as this. So what's the lifespan of a person in the 35th century? You can live to be between 500 and 900 years old. Wow. Now, if you think those people out there that are a little bit well-educated, think of the Old Testament. Abe, uh, Adam was 910 years old. Uh, Methuselah, the oldest man in history, 969, and then he died. All these patriarchs from the Old Testament were 800, 900 years old. Maybe they were time travelers, okay? Because that isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. uh, so in, in those days, let's say that you're seven or 800 years old, but you don't look a day over 500. So they, they have mastered the technique. That's <laughs> Then there's an information pill, which is developed as recently as the 26th century. You take this pill with some water, and now you have all the news, scientific discoveries, everything. Mm, you know everything. No more media is necessary. You just take a pill, and you're given all the information. Then they have what I call almost equivalent to the, um, the, the Star Trek again, the holographic relaxation center. Let's say you want to go on vacation, but you don't want to go anywhere. So you have a big screen in your house, your apartment, and you can go to uh, Paris, to Tahiti, to wherever you want to go. Okay. Then they have uh, devices where you can take, let's say you live in a small apartment, but you have a lot of stuff you want to put in there. You can enlarge the space by using quantum physics techniques so that hmm. you have a lot of material. Or you can shrink something down if you want to decrease the space of that. So, uh, and each house uh, or apartment, whatever you're living in, uh, by the 25th century has a teleportation station. So you can teleport from one place to another rather That's than- That's amazing. But you can't teleport back in time 
until the 35th century. Between the 34th century and the 34, uh, 31st century and the 34th century, uh, Tatos's technique of the wormhole linear accelerator will take you back in time. The problem is when you do that, you create tears in the fabric of space, right. which is why we have a lot of weather weird things happening or why fish fall from the sky, you know, and they can't explain that because there's no water around there for hundreds of miles. But by the 35th century, there are scientists then that will develop teleportation to go back in time where you no longer make tears in the fabric of space-time. Thank you so much, Dr. Bruce Goldberg. This is, I mean, so much information. You are, a, I mean, it's amazing what you've been doing for your career and what you're doing and serving all of us in furthering our own education about who we truly are. And that's gonna really, that's what changes everything once people start to embrace everything. And I'm so excited for your personal practice, which he's going to lead now. Um, which is a meditation that allows you to kind of talk to your higher self, which is where all the magic happens. Okay. All right. So I want everybody just to get yourself comfortable, take your shoes off if necessary. Don't have any tight clothing, jewelry also. Uh, uh, lie down on a better couch if you want, or a yoga mat, whatever you find comfortable. And make sure that uh, nobody's going to disturb you for just a few minutes. So I, I want everybody to just take a nice deep breath, hold it for as long as you can. Letting it out slowly and taking a second deep breath again, holding it for as long as you can, letting it out slowly. I'm going to count backwards from 10 to 1. As I count backwards, your breathing will neutralize and you will relax every muscle in your body until the count of 1. And then you'll be in a nice, relaxing level of hypnosis. 10. Deeply, deeply relaxed. 9. Relaxing every muscle in the body. Eight, seven, number six, number five, halfway there, four, number three, number two, number one. Now, from this level, I want you to, in your own mind's awareness, create what I call a sanctuary. This is a place that you are safe and free in the upper astral plane into the fifth dimension, which will be the place where you communicate with your higher self, spirit guides, and any positive entities. Only positive entities can enter this place. You can choose uh, a meadow, a mountain, a forest, the seashore, a Greek temple, whatever you feel safe and free. Now in this space, you're gonna have some sort of a place. It could be a table with chairs, whatever you feel comfortable with to invite other entities into your space. You may also have a doorway you can use, whatever you feel comfortable with. So I'd like you to now manifest first. The first guest you're going to have there is going to be your higher self. Your higher self normally appears as a white light, but in this case, have it appear as a human figure. It could be a religious figure, could be a mentor, a departed relative, anyone you consider to be a mentor, a positive person or positive influence on your life. This is your higher self. All communication is telepathic. Now your higher self can utilize this state of mind and this location to bring in spirit guides. So now you can use this for your own basis to do any kind of healing, any kind of increasing of creativity. Your higher self will assist you in that. It will assess you in improving the auric field surrounding your body. It will allow you to communicate with people on the earth plane. We call that astral negotiation. It will allow you to bring in a time traveler or any other positive ET. 
Assyrian, Pleiadian, Arcturian, or others. It will allow you to uh, perceive and review your past or future lives or parallel lives or any other positive goal that you want to accomplish. Do this now. And remember, each and every time you expose yourself to this, you'll get quicker and deeper and become more proficient as, it, as to these techniques. Okay, very good. Now, sleep now and rest. Focus in on my voice now. I'm going to count forwards from one to five. And when I reach the count of five, you return back to the physical body on the earth plane, feeling good about yourself, able to remember everything we've done and any communication that you've experienced and to be able to psychically empower you and your life. Number one, you're very, very, very deep. Number two, you're getting a little bit lighter. Number three, you're getting much, much lighter. Number four, very, very light. Number five, awaken, wide awake, and refreshed. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.